It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. One of the many subjects that fascinates both myself and Whitney here on This Might Get Uncomfortable is the impact of certain factors on human society as a whole. We dive deep into subjects around social media and the impact of influencer culture, um, how the pandemic has affected our mental health. And one of the things that I've been diving deeper into lately, Whitney, is researching this subject of the erosion of social trust, not only in the US, but across the world. And this has been something that more and more papers have been coming out on. And interestingly, there's been some cool juxtapositions of what's happening right now with the erosion of social trust in our current pandemic in 2021 at the time of this recording, and contrasting that with certain sociological factors that were happening during the Spanish flu, which I believe was 19, 1918 to 1920. And that ushered in, of course, as we know, the Roaring Twenties. So there's been all this conjecture and interesting theorization about what a post-pandemic world is going to look like. Some people say it's going to be a mirror image as history tends to repeat itself. And there are a lot of historians that believe we, as humans, operate in cycles of history. That aside, I'm not necessarily talking about predicting per se what a post-pandemic world is going to look like. The thing that interests me, though, is all of the factors that are going into the erosion of social trust and the stratification of people in different classes, different races, different economic brackets, and what's contributing to that. And we've mentioned this author before. He's one of my favorite modern authors. I really love his work, Mark Manson. I get his weekly newsletter. I, Truth be told, at the beginning of this year, Whitney, I unsubscribed to like, I don't even know, probably 70 different newsletters. I just did a, a complete roto-rooting colonic of my inbox and it felt great. I was just like, let me just get the shit out of my inbox. But one of the people I kept was Mark Manson. I like his writing style. He's blunt. He's irreverent. He talks in a similar way that I talk. He feels conversational. And he's been talking a lot about some of the studies that have come up around this erosion of social trust. And one of the things that he talks about in this that I want to throw out at you that I find is super interesting is how when we are in sort of a, a high death count, he talked about this in the Spanish flu, how as the proportion of global deaths increased 100 years ago with the Spanish flu, that the social trust in things like government and medicine and science and religion and one another decreased. So as the deaths increased, social trust decreased. And that there are a lot of side effects when it comes to this deterioration of social trust. And one of the interesting ones, I suppose, is how a lack of trust in, again, government, science, et cetera, can decrease people's ability to delay gratification, which I think is just a fascinating thing. And so in terms of delaying gratification, it's people being responsible with their money people saving for the future, people not doing impulse purchasing, people not spending their money on you know things that don't matter. So in looking back in history, sort of at the roaring 20s, what did we see? We saw massive spending. 
We saw people, you know, the decline of prohibition, right? We saw people spending a lot of money on partying and opulence and alcohol and God knows what else, right? And so it's an interesting thing to think about as we're all cooped up and people are becoming stressed and anxious and there's a lot of mental health issues. When, quote, the world opens back up, I wonder if we are going to see a mirror image of what happened over 100 years ago where people are going to go absolutely apeshit. You know, when the festivals open back up and the concerts open back up and people go to the movies again, I'm super curious, Whitney, to look at history as a barometer to see how people are going to not only spend their money, but how crazy things are going to get, you know, because people have been cooped up for a while and I'm sure they're going nuts. I'm going a little bit crazy. I miss all those things too, but I'm just super curious if the way that people are sort of being mindful around their finances right now and mindful about their social interactions and mindful about their health. I wonder if all that's just going to fly out the window and how people are going to respond to this. Have you thought about this at all? And and when you think about, I guess, again, quote, the world opening back up, do you think people are just going to go absolutely crazy after being pent up for this long? It's interesting because today I went to the dentist for the first time in a while. <laughs> Definitely since COVID happened, I finally felt like I was comfortable to go and start seeing doctors again. So I'm slowly booking doctor's appointments just for general checkup and care and all of that. And I noticed a couple of things on my way to the dentist, just the feeling of driving towards an area I haven't really been to in almost a year. In fact, this dentist is across the street from a big mall in Los Angeles. And I remember going there last March 2020, right before the lockdown happened. It was in that weird period of time in early March where we knew that COVID was starting to spread, but nobody was really that concerned about it. Or if we were, it was like a very light concern. <laughs> and the city wasn't being restrictive at all. It was like, hey, we should probably just sanitize and wash our hands and be careful. But I don't think we were wearing masks, actually, which is just such a weird time to look back on. Anyways, that mall represents that last time that I had an outing like that, right? And so driving towards that mall today, I was reflecting on life before COVID. And yeah, going to the dentist felt like felt kind of like a luxurious experience, you know? And I also felt really grateful for this particular dentist because of COVID. I was thinking like, wow, like there are so many things I used to do before COVID that I didn't even really think about that might have exposed me to germs or whatever that probably got me sick, right? Like when you think about how many people would be in a waiting room and like, you know, you're not like super cautious about how close you are to people and just the whole experience was actually really pleasant at the dentist today compared to what it had been like in the past. I feel like things have got a lot more efficient. So those are my first thoughts here is I actually believe that we could be more efficient and mindful because of COVID and maybe even reducing our chances of getting sick because a lot of people have experienced over the past year that they don't get colds and flus as often or if at all, right? And that's probably because we're standing six feet apart, we're wearing masks, we're washing our hands, we're sanitizing, all of those things, you know, all these surfaces we used to touch amongst each other, like so many actions have changed for me, at least. You know, this isn't universal. Not everybody abides by those rules. But I think actually to counter what you're saying, Jason, that there's a lot of great things that are happening that hopefully will continue 
You know, like I remember before COVID, you would see people like very commonly Asian people would wear masks in public and you might think that they were weird for doing so. I hope now it's socially acceptable. Maybe it won't be enforced, but if it's socially acceptable and common for people to be wearing masks out in public on airplanes or whatever, like just having the option and not feeling weird about it, like I might have before COVID, I think is awesome. And I probably will continue to wear my masks in certain settings like that simply because I'm really grateful that I haven't been sick, even with the common cold or flu, right? The other thing is that I can't really speak for other people because as I've said, my overall experience with COVID has been pretty pleasant and it hasn't changed that much for me. I identify as an introvert, so I tend to really like to spend a lot of time in solitude and I get drained in social settings. So I don't really miss them as much as I think a lot of people do. I feel very satisfied and nourished by online interaction for the most part. I feel like it's nice to have kind of more excuses not to socialize as much and that when I do socialize, it's incredibly intentional. And intention is becoming more and more important to me in my life is really being clear on why I'm doing something and how I'm doing it. And this reminds me of some things I've been reading in the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, which is such a phenomenal read. Honestly, like crucial book for people that want to think more about their use of technology, especially social media. And I think the section I was reading last night of that book was how we aren't super intentional about our social interactions in general. You know, in COVID, I think, Jason, once collectively in the U.S. and other parts of the world, we start to feel safer about interacting with each other, it will likely for many of us be a trickle, not necessarily a full blast of like flipping on a light switch and suddenly everything's back to normal, right? It's we're we're going through these different phases as actually was a big term that we used a year ago when COVID first happened, but I think it might be even more prominent. And I'm curious to see what will happen with some in-person events. I have one scheduled for as early as July 2021. I'm still open-minded to the fact that it might not even happen. Who knows, right? (laughs) We have our event in September 2021, which also still feels like, hmm, is this going to happen? I'm planning for both of them. I'm cautiously optimistic, I suppose. And I I definitely think that my experience, my experience at those events will be different and as a result, more intentional. So I can't speak for everyone because personally, I'm not going to just rush back into things as soon as I'm allowed to again, right? Or as soon as I feel a general sense of, of safety. I want to wait for some things to occur, just like I'm waiting right now and observing what's happening with the vaccines. You know, I feel a little cautious about vaccines in general, but since it's brand new, I want to wait and see like how people I know are reacting to them and how's the experience been and what are the studies and research and same thing with events for the most part. And I imagine to go back to your original question though, Jason, and and kind of the overall part of it, which is I don't know. I'm sure some people are going to like be super excited to go back to what we remember as normal. 
I already kind of see it happening. You know, there's plenty of people out and about. There's plenty of people at outdoor restaurants and patios and doing various things. I mean, I've seen people continue doing that as much as they possibly could for the past year. I think you're absolutely right. There probably will be a lot of people yearning for that, a lot of people maybe over-socializing as a result of this. The part that I'm most curious about that I want to hear your thoughts on, Jason, is like what dating is going to be like after things kind of open up more. You know, I I don't really have much awareness on this, but I I see it a lot on, on TikTok, how people talk about dating so much and using the apps and the whole experience of dating during this time. I mean, I feel like there might be a a lot of men, especially, that are just like so eager to hook up again, right? Like, like they are just rearing to go. And as soon as it's socially acceptable to like go to bars and hook up with girls and other guys, like whatever their preference there, I think we're going to see a lot like this, maybe even, maybe even a summer of love, Jason, maybe even a summer of love. I laugh at this because I've had several friends of mine that are women say that they're already getting just bombarded in their DMs from thirsty dudes who are already just, they're climbing the walls. There's a mutual friend of ours who who I was having an exchange with and she's like, oh no, no, it's already started. She's like, I have to be a gatekeeper in my DMs because these guys are just already going ballistic. So to your point, I think that dating and romance and courtship is going to be fascinating as hell because people are very, very desperate and hungry for touch and interaction. And, And there are people I know that have been, for the most part, weathering this pandemic of the last year because the day that we're recording this, we're recording this episode on March 1st. So, you know, 12 months of some people I know who have been on their own, they've been fl- they've been flying Han Solo. They didn't have a Chewbacca during this period. And so it's going to be absolutely interesting to see people trying to manage, I suppose, the desperation and some of the moves people are going to be making in the dating world. But I think it goes back to, Whitney, the idea of social distrust, which is the topic I wanted to lead with today, because... I think there's going to be a lot of people who are probably going to be extremely cautious and distrustful. You know, in my dating history, I've been really mindful to, for instance, discuss STDs and be tested and and talk to whoever I'm sleeping with or my potential partner about STDs. And I'm curious, you know, if COVID is going to morph into an offshoot of that conversation, like, oh, well, when was your last PCR test? When did that happen? Like, can I can you show me the results? I wonder if that's going to become part and parcel of sort of the umbrella STD conversation of health and safety, first of all, and what level of trust or distrust that's going to engender in the dating world. But the other offshoot of this, and you mentioned mask wearing, Whitney, and and how even with the vaccines, whether we're talking about the three that are available now, if you look at, say, the CDC or any of the other governmental health bodies, they're saying that, you know, the vaccine does not make you completely immune to the coronavirus, that they're saying, you still need to wear a mask, okay? But what I'm seeing in terms of the breakdown of social distrust, not just with the government, we see a lot of this with certain people who are saying there's a cabal of elites who want to microchip us through this vaccine program and they stand to make billions of dollars. There's that level of distrust. There's the the distrust in the CDC and the WHO and the governing bodies saying their research is changing every few months, so we can't trust them because they keep changing their minds. 
which to the point they do, they have con- conflicted themselves many times in the last year. But the third part that I think is even more concerning is the distrust amongst groups of human beings. And what I see when you were talking about masks, for instance, Whitney, is there's a lot of mask shaming on both sides that I see. There's people who are shaming people for choosing to wear masks, and there's people who are shaming people for choosing not to wear masks. And I actually saw this firsthand on one of the very few flights that I took. And truth be told, I did actually take a flight in the middle of the pandemic last year. I went to Denver for a work trip with a mutual friend of ours, and there was a gentleman on the flight who took off his mask mid-flight and refused to put it back on. And I saw a very interesting interaction between fellow passengers who were like looking over like, do I say something? Do I go up to him? They were actually asking the stewardess to come over and have a conversation. I witnessed because he was only about three rows ahead of me. One of the stewardesses asking and then demanding that he put his mask back on, which he refused. And they were debating on whether or not to land the plane. They didn't. But it was interesting to see him saying, this is my fundamental human right not to wear a mask. You know, he was he was pretty aggressive about it. And then everyone on the flight, like basically giving him the evil eye. I mean, people just shooting laser death beams out of their eyes at him. And to be honest, myself included, I was like, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? What are you trying to prove here? He said, you can't take, you know, he was you can't take my freedom away. And he was very aggressive. They didn't land the plane, FYI. They continued on. But he, for half the flight, refused to wear a mask. But you could see both sides of this. A person saying, you guys are idiots, you're robots, you're zombies for listening to the experts and being sheep, right? There's that side of the shaming of the non-mask wearers. And then the people who do wear masks, like me on that flight, were like, are you out of your mind? Like, I was shaming him for choosing not to wear a mask, to be honest. So... Part of this social breakdown, I think, is we don't know what to trust. Do we trust the CDC, the WHO? Do we trust Fauci? Do we trust our government? Do we trust the scientists? Do we trust the data that keeps changing? It's very difficult. And I think part of the fiber here is that people are clinging to any sense of certainty that they can, whether that's the truthers and the anti-vaxxers and the, quote, conspiracy theorists, or whether that's people who haven't left their house much in a year who are, you know, double wrapping their masks and have the hand sanitizer at all times. And there's certainly a gray area. And I just think the thing that concerns me, Whitney, is how are we as human beings, once we have more in-person interactions that we're not used to now, how are we actually going to treat one another in real time when we're not doing it through a camera or a podcast or through social media? How are we going to engage each other literally face to face, whether you know one person chooses to wear a mask and, and one person doesn't? And I'm curious how we as humans are going to start to learn to trust and accept one another as the pandemic starts to erode. That's my big question. Because I think the distrust of government will continue, the distrust of science will continue, the distrust of the financial system will continue. That's not going anywhere. But how are we going to treat one another? That's my biggest curiosity. You know what I mean? Are we going to be vile and kind of short and be aggressive toward one another? Or are we going to really just honor people's choices and not shame them for it? I don't know. Yeah, it is an issue and, and shame in general is a big issue in our culture. And I think we do that because of times when we feel threatened, our belief systems are threatened, our safety is threatened, our health is threatened, like whatever it is, we grasp for a sense of control or stability 
or our ego is just rearing its ugly head. And and so it feels easiest or a coping mechanism that we might choose is to shame somebody. And certainly in that situation, Jason, this is one of the reasons that I've chosen to do driving instead of flying. In fact, for the events that I mentioned, I intend to drive to both of them. I'm open to possibly flying, but for me, there's so many variables when it comes to being on an airplane with a bunch of people and not knowing everybody enough or having the dynamic where I can let them know why wearing a mask is important to me and they can let me know why it's not important to them and we can have kind of a civil discussion. I think in general, air travel is so rushed and everybody's just trying to be efficient and get where they need to go that a lot of those variables are at play that make me feel very uncomfortable. I actually had anxiety about flying before COVID anyways, and it took me years to kind of come up with a whole system and flow that made it a lot more comfortable for me. Even though driving, you know, has certainly its risks, but personally, it just feels a little bit more comfortable. And Gosh, it's so interesting just thinking about risks in general, Jason, because I have been planning a few road trips, one including in a few weeks, which I I don't even think I've mentioned to you. So surprise, here's the news. I might be driving up to Oregon with one of my friends, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. And we'll be driving in separate cars. And we have this whole kind of caravan situation that we've been working on. And I love taking road trips. But it's funny how as I'm reflecting over that right now, I think, gosh, like your chance of getting in a car accident is is pretty high relative to other forms of travel, you know? And so we've we've got COVID, but we've also got looming safety issues and so many different facets of our life. And it's always interesting to reflect on it, you know, and, and reflect on all the different things that can happen and how other people impact us literally and figuratively, right? You know, it's, we can think that we're doing everything possible to be safe in our lives physically, mentally, and emotionally, and then somebody else can come in and completely throw us off. And this feels like a good time to actually mention our sponsor, by the way. We always try to find organic ways to weave in products that we mention on the show. And... (laughs) I might actually take this right now. This has been my tendency. Every time we record the episode, I I use it as an opportunity to take my daily dose of rallies. And I wanted to mention their Calm formula because this is something I've been taking every single day as part of my bedtime routine. But it also feels like a good thing to take right now because, uh, gosh... Another thing I guess we could pivot into after we talk about rallies a bit, Jason, is how many of us are dealing with daily anxiety that has become so normal to us that we forget it's even there. And actually going back to my dentist, I had a pretty good checkup. My dentist said I was in good shape, but he did say it's possible that I've been clenching my jaw. He couldn't confirm, but he brought it up. And I thought, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if I'm grinding my teeth, clenching my jaw throughout the day without even realizing it or at night. And so this is another reason I become passionate about really being very intentional and aware because we might be dealing with more stress in our body than we even recognize. So the more that we can tune into ourselves and support ourselves, the better. And I think that products like terpenes are 
a really wonderful thing to add in. So I'll hand it over to you, Jason, because I would love to hear how Calm has been affecting you. Well, first of all, I need to say that I don't have my bottle with me because I just devoured it. A, because it tastes amazing. B, because I've had insomnia like Burning Man insomnia, like like staying up for nights and doing a lot of drugs and partying. And I mean, it's I'm not saying I've been doing drugs and partying. I'm saying like the insomnia has been like, you know, for, for me at times, Burning Man-esque. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I have experimented with a lot of different things for my insomnia. And interestingly, you know, you bring up anxiety, Whitney, and using things like like rellies and terpenes and natural products to help with it. Because for a time, I was actually taking I was taking sleeping pills for a while. And I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this on the podcast or even publicly on social media, because I, not that I've been afraid to talk about it, but you know, I think people probably look at us as as harbingers of natural solutions, which we are. But I was at a point where my sleep was so bad. I was meditating before bed. I was taking, you know, baths. I was doing all the things and I just could not sleep. And so I actually started taking, what was it, Unisom? Unisom sleeping pills. I didn't I didn't go to the level of like Ambien or anything like that, but I was downing sleeping pills. And was I sleeping? Yeah. Was I waking up? feeling like sloth from the Goonies. Yeah. I was just like, wait for breakfast. Just like, I was, yeah, I slept, but I felt like crap the next morning. I felt like crap. So that wasn't a solution. So I had to go back and kind of reformulate my approach to how am I going to get good sleep? So when Ryan, our buddy, one of the co-owners of Rellies was like, hey, I'm going to deliver you these products. I was like, okay, I'm going to integrate this. So Rellies, the calm formula is also like you, Whitney, part of my evening routine until I ran out of it. I need to get more. But I've been doing the terpenes. I've been doing CBN, CBD, THC, and magnesium. So that's my current lineup right now is I take a hot shower before bed, which has also helped, but I do magnesium, CBD, CBN, THC, and the terpenes from Rally's Calm Formula. And that I have been sleeping. And I realize, Wit, like I've been in a sleep debt. Like, you know, we joke about me being grumpy and and as one of your close friends and business partners, you know, you put up with my grumpiness a lot and I, I am. But one of the reasons I've been grumpy is because I haven't been fucking sleeping, you know? So for me, I'm just, I feel like Rally's is a godsend. It's something that I've been incorporating into my sleep hygiene routine and my sleep hygiene is finally back on track. And I feel like not only am I able to handle daily stress when I sleep better with, I'm a more joyful person. When I don't sleep, I'm a fucking bear to deal with. And it's hard. It's hard to feel good when you have, you know, four or five nights a row where you don't sleep that well. So again, Relly's Calm is amazing. We absolutely love it. And for you, dear listener, we have a special little offer we want to give to you, which you can go to our show notes or you can just listen to this URL. It's podcast.wellevator.com forward slash rellies. That's spelled R-E-L-L-I-E-S. When you go there, it'll take you to a custom landing page and you can use the coupon code 20 wellies, two zero, number two zero, W-E-L-L-I-E-S. You'll save 20% on your order of their calm, their joy, and their focus. And they recently came out, Whitney, which I haven't tried yet with shots. Shot, 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 shot. So actually, we need to get our hands on some of them shots from Ryan and Jacob, because you know, we got to test it. We always got to test these products. So whether you're going to take the tinctures, dear listener, or you're going to try out their shiggy, shiggy shot shots, 20% off 
with the code two zero wellies. When you go to the link in our show notes, or again, go to podcast.wellevator.com forward slash rellies, R-E-L-L-I-E-S. So I'm happy to report, Whitney, that, yeah, do I feel daily anxiety? Yes, but I, I'm finding that when I sleep well and consistently, I don't feel as crushed by the daily stress. Like I'm realizing that if I look back on my like probably entire 20s and 30s, I don't think I really gave a shit about sleep. You know, I mean, I did, but I didn't in the sense that I, I kept pushing myself and working late nights and being on screens at midnight. But now that I'm in my 40s, I, I suddenly realize I got to take sleep more seriously. And you know what? It helps when I do. So I'm wondering, like, what, you know, do you have anything interesting in your sleep hygiene routine now other than rallies that I don't, because you're apparently surprising me today with stuff, like you're going on a road trip I didn't know about, any interesting drugs or things you're taking, anything else I should know, Whitney? Anything else you want to tell me? Well, I have been taking magnesium and we've talked about that on other episodes because we take bioptimizers. And uh, I love taking magnesium for bed for two reasons. One, it relaxes the muscles. And two, it really helps you poop the next day. So I've been very regular (laughs) thanks to that routine. And I might add, magnesium also gives you uh, world-class Olympic erections. Which is not really useful for my body, Jason, but thanks for letting us know that. I think you've mentioned it before. I feel like you love to drop that in and you love to share all sorts of unique tips about your sex life. So thank you, Jason. I'm, I guess the TMI, you wanted to chime in on that too. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. I use essential oils before bed. As well. So my that's my little routine is to take my rallies, take my magnesium, take some essential oils. And then I lock up my phone in a safe, which I feel like I've mentioned, but I'll reiterate again now. Fortunately, my sleepwalking has been a lot better, but it was really intense at the beginning of January or most of January. So I would say this most of February and at least the second half of February. I have not had any major sleepwalking instances, and I think actually putting my phone to bed and locking it up has been huge, and that also ties back into one of the reasons I've been reading Digital Minimalism is just reevaluating my whole relationship to my phone. So I challenge myself in the mornings now, actually, so let's not just talk about nighttime routines, Jason, but for morning routines. I have had a tendency for a long time to use my phone first thing in the morning. My phone's my alarm clock. Technically, so is my iPad. Once I started locking up my iPhone, the alarm still goes off and it's really annoying every day because I have to get out of bed, unlock my phone from the safe, take it out and turn off the alarm. But it's a good way to get out of bed. So that's why I do it. As a secondary alarm, I also use my iPad and my iPad it does not have cellular service. It just connects to Wi-Fi. Every night I turn off the Wi-Fi, so I have to manually turn it on in the morning. And both all my devices go on do not disturb. So the alarms will work regardless of that connection. So I have three alarm sets just in case, but I've actually been changing up a lot of my sleep habits. I usually sleep with the less black. How do I put this? I have more light than I used to. I used to use the blackout shades a lot, but I've been experimenting with the natural light helping me wake up in the morning. 
And because I've been waking up at the same time every morning for, I think, two months now, I just naturally wake up on time, which is really awesome. And I'm waking up earlier than I usually do. Or like I've talked about on the podcast, I think, before how my favorite time, if I didn't have an alarm, didn't have a schedule, my body would naturally wake up around 10.30 a.m. But based on my current schedule, I wake up at 8.45 a.m. right now. And because I've been in the habit of that, and also because I have the windows open, the blinds up, then the light comes in and starts to wake me up a little bit before that. So I actually wake up before my alarms go off. And then my alarms are my cue that I need to like start moving. And what's interesting is I'm really practicing not using my phone for as long as possible or any device. It's really challenging for me, Jason. And I'm curious whether we talk about this today or in future episodes in more depth, but I'm still trying to figure out the best way for me to ease in the day without devices. Because when I wake up in the morning, if I have the stimulation of a device, I my brain gets alert super fast. And I've noticed since I haven't been using my phone first thing, it's almost like I don't know if the term detox is the best word, but what's what's it called when like you come off a drug withdrawal? So it's like I'm I'm so used to having access to a device or allowing myself to have access to the device first thing in the morning. I got my brain got used to that stimulation. And now that I won't let myself use my phone or my iPad first thing in the morning, I'll sit there after hearing my alarm go off and I'll just be in laying in bed, like wondering what to do with myself. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get up. I'm going to brush my teeth, use the bathroom. And then I generally give myself a little bit of time, drink some water, and I'll I'll take a yoga class. That's the first thing I do every single morning. For the past two months, actually, I've been working out almost every single day for 30, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning, which has been awesome. But there's a gap of time before I do yoga where I really want to use a device. And it's such a fascinating thing to observe within myself. So that inspired me to read Digital Minimalism, Jason, because I was trying to figure out like what exactly was going on in my brain and my body. And like, is it okay for me to use a device? As a questioner, I need to have a reason why or why not to do something. So I'm trying to like gather a lot of research on it. And I'll, I'll end this point by saying that instead of using my iPad or my iPhone, I do often use my computer. And so now it's like, okay, I have to, how long can I delay going to my computer? And I haven't quite mentally like figured out whether the computer is a bad thing, even though it's still a screen. I think it's a little bit different because I have more control over text messages and social media. Like we've been so conditioned to look at our notifications and alerts on our devices. Our computers can certainly have those same notifications and applications on them, but they're a little bit of a different relationship for me. I crave going to my computer to not just check messages, but to check emails. Because it's like, speaking of a sense of anxiety, I often wake up worried that something happened overnight that I need to address ASAP. Like, does something happen with a, with a friend or family member? I should check my messages to make sure. 
Is there an important business email? Is there an opportunity? Is there something urgent with any of my clients? Like, I want to check my messages to relieve my anxiety. And that's something I'm really starting to reexamine in my life, Jason. And I, I think I have to be very intentional with setting up some more boundaries so that I can cue people in my life personally and professionally to reach out to me if there's an emergency, but set those boundaries where I'm not going to check my devices until later in the morning. Because otherwise, I kind of carry around that anxiety of like, am I missing something? Is there going to be something important that I'm ignoring because I'm taking care of myself in the morning offline? You know? Yeah, I can relate to that anxiety 100%. And I've realized though, with that, maybe count, I don't know if it's counterintuitive, but when I've opened my phone immediately upon waking, I've noticed a corollary that I feel more anxiety as a result of doing that versus training myself to not turn on my phone until I'm done taking care of myself in the morning. That's been challenging at times of, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to you know go to the restroom, like splash cold water on my face, wake up, do my meditation for 20 minutes to 30, depending on the complexity of my day. You know, it, It's between 20 and 30. Feed the animals, feed myself, and then the phone turns on. Now, I've had a few messages from people like, why didn't you text me back? Why didn't you call me back? And not in an emergency, but like I've had to not only train myself, but by proxy train other people to realize that I'm really not going to respond to like probably 11 a.m. Like it's not a rule for me, like don't turn your phone on, but it just seems like that's when I turn my phone on after I do and also walk Bella. I'll do my whole morning routine, then I'll turn my phone on. I've noticed that this has decreased my anxiety. And it's also allowed me to train people that I'm probably not going to get back to you until after 11 a.m. when the phone's on. And does this mean I might on occasion respond slowly to an opportunity? Yeah. Does it mean at times that maybe certain people will get irritated that I'm not getting back to them before noon on a given day? Yeah. Am I willing to live with that trade-off? Abso-fucking-lutely. Because if that's handling my mental health better, because here's the thing, whatever I can do to manage my anxiety, stress, depression, suicidal ideation, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to apologize for it. And if people are irritated or they are, what's the word, curmudgeonly toward me because I haven't responded to them in the time frame that that they want me to, it's probably because I'm taking care of myself, honestly. You know, I'm, I'm (laughs) I'm not just like fucking around. I'm taking care of myself. So, you know, I posted something yesterday on Instagram about things that I'm done apologizing for. And I think one of the things on the list was like explaining to people why I'm taking care of myself. You know, that was one of the things where it was like, yeah, I don't feel the need to explain to people. If they ask, I'll tell them, but I don't need to explain my protocols for taking care of my mind and my body. And so my thing, Whitney, was I've had to train myself to not turn the fucking phone on until I'm done taking care of myself. You know, You hear it like you got to fill your cup first, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. But I know much like you, once the phone goes on and once the computer goes on, I'm in it for the day. Like once they're on, I'm in it. I'm working on our stuff for Wellevator and this might get uncomfortable. I'm working on my own brand stuff, whatever client stuff comes in, messages from my mom, my girlfriend calling me, you know, whatever it is, like once the devices are on, the floodgates are open. So another thing to your point is I've actually turned all of my notifications off. I have DND on my computer permanently. It's uh, like always on. 
and all of my apps on my phone, I have shut off notifications for every single one because I do not want to have that interrupt, especially if I'm doing deep work and I'm writing or we're recording. The last thing I want is to get interrupted by some digital attention grabbing mechanism of like, hey, Jason, pay attention to this. No, I want to pay attention to what I'm paying attention to in the moment. The other thing I wanted to offer up to Whitney, since we're talking about stress relief, sleep anxiety, we just released a blog post as of today. If you, dear listener, have not checked out our blog, we have almost 60 blog posts up there now uh, talking about mental health, emotional wellness, resilience, social interactions, sleep, mental health. Just We have so many different subject matters. The one we just released today is called What to Eat for Better Sleep. And we share some of our favorite foods and supplements and nutrients that we take or we've experimented with to help assist in a deeper, more restful sleep and things that will help you unwind from the day. So we mostly focus on food and nutrients and supplements, but we do talk about blue light blocking glasses. We're big fans of Swanwick. We've been using them for years. As Whitney mentioned about using blackout shades for years, I've been using a grounding blanket and experimenting with grounding technology, which mimics the same biorhythms and charge as if you were standing on bare earth. So all that's in the blog post. Go check out the blog. It's wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com forward slash blog, where you can check out what to eat for better sleep and all of our previous posts. So Whitney, you know, I'm actually going to head off. Speaking of social trust and social interactions, I'm going to a grand opening of a tattoo parlor after we wrap this episode. Tattoo parlors are open back up officially today, and one of my girlfriend Laura's best friends in the world, who I have not met yet, just opened her parlor today. So it's going to be a very small, socially distanced gathering. I guess there's going to be vegan cupcakes there. Great. Tattoos and vegan cupcakes, sign me the fuck up. So it'll just be interesting because I, I haven't been to any sort of gathering of any kind right in a long long time so it's just going to be interesting to see how people interact with one another and catch the flow of people's demeanor and i don't know it's just going to be fascinating so i'm sure i'll have more to say about that in an upcoming episode but for you dear listener if you enjoyed what you heard here we always love your feedback on these kind of subjects and for everything that we discussed today from the books to the articles to all the resources and our blog and of course that discount coupon to Rellies that you can use to check out their amazing terpene products all of that will be in the show notes at our website which again is wellevator.com w e l l e v a t r.com go to the podcast section it will take you to the full transcript for this episode all of our previous episodes and any of the goodies we mentioned that we want to share with you we're also on social media we love getting dms and love when you Give us feedback on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, etc. You can find all of those links to our social handles in the show notes. And we're also posting the video for our episodes on our YouTube channel. So if you want to see what these episodes look like in real time, if you want to see my new porno mustache, getting some mixed reviews on it, you want to see Whitney's amazing new headphones. They're really stylish. You can just check out the video on our YouTube channel. We'll also be posting clips to our Instagram so you can see what we're doing, what our houses look like, how my cats are shredding the cat tree, whatever. Check it out on YouTube and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Jason. Whitney's on the other end of the cans. We love you. We appreciate you. And thank you for getting uncomfortable with us. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.